Hello and welcome to the Free to Be Show. This is season five and today I'm super excited to have uh, two of my colleagues and friends from the Ultimate Coach community and in one case uh, specifically from the Ultimate Coach podcast. Um, we will be talking about loving this month in the month of March, um, not only because it's Women's History Month, but just because this is the basis of who we are as human beings. And I thought that it was most important to start out with ways of being as a parent, because as parents, we love our children and create them um, as contributions to society ultimately with our love and through our loving. So um, we'll be right back after this. Welcome to the Free to Be Show. I am a stand for peace, love, joy, bliss, sexual pleasure, spiritual connection, elemental connection with nature, and restoring worthiness in women that requires four-mind alignment with your thoughts, heart, nutrition, and yoni. Be a stand for your ultimate joy so that you are replenished and aligned. Are you free? Receive replenishment. Hi, so now I'm going to introduce my guest. Um, I'm gonna do it in alphabetical order. First, we have Tanya Alvarez. Hello. Hello, Cordelia. And Hello, Cordelia. Have... Yes, I heard you. And secondly, we have Philip Bartu. Glad to be here. Yeah. Hello, Cordelia. Hi, Tanya. So Hello, Philip. We, um, you know, we were talking the other day about ways of being as parents and, um, and ultimately the foundation of that relationship is loving. And, uh, but what happens is these strange nuances of our little people, right? <laughs> we want to impose our ego or things that we didn't accomplish in our own lives onto them. And that impacts the way we love them. So um, where, where are you today in this uh, thought process of loving? And Philip, you can go first. Well, hey, thanks. First of all, thanks for this um, spontaneous invitation. And I want to just start off by saying um, I became a father six months ago. My son, Oliver's has been such a blessing and oh my God, what a challenge as well. And so I'm delighted to be here with both of you. Tanya, I know you're a mother of four and Cordelia, mother of six. So I really feel like I'm a newbie in the world of parenting with two old sages. And, uh, <laughs> but the one, the one thing around loving and uh, that's, that has really, I think it really rings true what you say about the unfulfilled expectations that we have we project on our children and one of the things that uh, 
You know, one 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 of the things that I've noticed, um, I'll share just a short story to open up. Um, just so, just before Oliver was born, we were very excited, and my my wife had prepared his room, and she painted um, three paintings. In the middle, it was Oliver. On the left, it said "Born to Love," and on the right, it said "Born to Shine." And I was so proud to show that to my friends that would come look at our baby room and look at this beautiful artwork. And just a few days ago, I was looking at that and I was like, huh, it's kind of expectation dumping going on right there. (laughs) (laughs) And in a a conversation with Cordelia, I was like, what if I just took those two down and I just said born to be? Mm. Yeah. And, and those, and I, and, and my wife pointed that out as well. And, We've taken those down. I love them. They're so beautiful. But she's like, no, no, no. Those have to go. So the, the artwork is gone. Um, and and I just want to just start with that story because with the best of intentions, we want to do something that we think is loving without realizing that we're just projecting this idea of how we want our child to be rather than accepting them as they are. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm on this journey. Is just like, wow, what more? What more is there for me to uncover as a as a beginner who, who's just, you know, starting out in the parenting world? I acknowledge you for that, Philip. That is such a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing because, I mean, and how insightful. Six months in, congratulations. I, I how old? How how many months or years into parenting were you, Tanya, before you came to that realization? <laughs> well, if I may <laughs> share a little story you might find a little possibly humorous is about a month ago, I was sitting on one of our chairs and just kind of looking around the house and we had recently just put up pictures because we our home had been under construction for about five years so our walls had been bare and everything and I noticed my husband went around putting up different pictures that we had we had stored and so forth and I was looking around and I thought to myself wow we have a lot of rules in here like a lot of the pictures actually have like house rules and it has like kind of like guidance of how we hold, how we would like for you to be in the house. And I, it took me by surprise, like, wow, we really do have a lot of rules. However, Philip, thank you because of you, I have not taken them down. And I'm realizing like, yeah, those need to come down. Some of them that (laughs) 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 it is they are a little insinuating. Um, <laughs> what, what do they say? Yeah, um, give us an bees. example. <laughs> well, you guys can continue. I'll run and grab one, and we'll see what it says. How about that? Because oh, okay. <laughs> I okay. don't know what they say exactly, but I, looking at one, and one says home rules. I'm looking at another one. One says, I can see from here, it says, play fair, run, laugh, skip, jump, eat cookies, have fun, love, share, help each other, stick together, and always be kind. Hmm. That's one of my favorites. I like that one. 
that one, yes. But in, in, it's funny because that one isn't normally where it is. That one used to be in my children's room, but it just came down and was in my living room. And I found out that we have termites on this mirror, right? So mm -hmm. I removed the mirror and it looks totally blank. And I just happened to have that picture there. Mm -hmm. So now that picture's at the front door. So nice. <laughs> I could see that from here. And I decided that I actually liked that as well um, near the front door because it reminded people to have fun on their journey for the day, whether the they were coming or going. I, you know, I celebrate that because like in the world of rules, play fair and then all the cool things that we get to do. I like the eat cookies part. Let me just say that. <laughs> <laughs> that happens to be my kids' favorites too. <laughs> I love that. So um, I, I want to just um, share a comment that we have coming in. Thank you, John, for joining us. He says, this is, a, this is so beautiful to join you from Uganda. Today is my birthday. At, um, at March is dedicated to love. I'm complete. So thank you. Thank you for joining and happy birthday. Um, wow. Okay. So now I got to spill the beans about my, you know, <laughs> what have I projected onto my kids? So I would say uh, early on, right. <clears throat> I was really dedicated to making sure that my kids grew up as good Muslims, right? So everywhere in the house I had, um, uh, this is what we call duas or supplications. They're like little prayers you say before you do something. And so those were up everywhere. And um, over the years, and as my older children memorized them and they would repeat them when the younger ones were born, I just started to take them down to replace them with a chore chart and, uh, and stars, right? And when you got a certain accumulation of stars, then you got specific rewards. So that lasted about two years. And um, mostly because what I found is when you allow people to self-regulate, they will do things um, and reward themselves. And so... I just let it all go. So I have n currently nothing except for I allow my children to draw or paint on the wall, um, whatever it is that um, they feel is appropriate. So yeah, I have graffiti on my walls, but it's not really graffiti because my kids are actually really talented artists. So, um, but yeah, and that, that was... Uh, that was my battle because I thought it made me a great mom to make sure that they were um, they were learning the things that they must say at certain times, mm -hmm. you know, and they were uh, doing charge chores that I chose. So now I've released it. <laughs> yeah. And being a good Muslim. And being a good Muslim. Yeah, the judgment around that, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, what I find is, is being a good Muslim is being a good human. And, you know, being a good human is, is just loving. And so uh, the, the less attached I am to 
the judgment that I was project projecting onto my kids, the um, actually the <laughs> the the better they're behaving and the more things are getting done, you know? Yeah. Wow. You know what what's interesting when I when I hear you say that, I'm I'm also relating to my relationship with my parents and how much that's changed since becoming a father. I was grown, so I grew up in a culture, I grew up in Singapore, and that's a culture where we have a respect for elders, where you, you basically call everyone auntie and uncle um, that you've never met before, which is a, kind of a weird concept to say, as a child, you have to say auntie, uncle to a complete stranger. And it was also like this idea that you, you don't really challenge elders, you don't, you, you accept and you do as you're told. And, um, and I noticed that as I became a dad, I, um, I was becoming a lot more unwilling to do that. And my ideas of respect kind of changed. So instead of respecting the hierarchy and the authority, I just started to become hmm, more outspoken, more challenging. And it's been met, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been actually, actually it's been really challenging for me to, just to, to speak about it, honestly. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is the free to be show. And uh, what, what I've discovered and, and what I love about the name of this show is, to me, you know, being free to be is the most courageous thing you can possibly do. Yes. Being free to, to, to really just be, be yourself. And, and, and I wanted to be that. I wanted to be that for Oliver, for my wife and, 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 and they, it hasn't always um, hasn't always been easy. I didn't know you grew up in Singapore. That's really interesting. And and uh, you know my my ex husband is uh, Bengali, so I resonate with that. I guess that's an Asian thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> calling yeah. people auntie and uncle. And, yeah. um, you know, the other part that I don't like, and I, I'm not sure if this is something that was part of your culture as well, where you're like, oh, go and give, you know, her a hug, give him a hug. And I, I have an issue with the touching mm -hmm. consent. So was yeah. that part of it too? No, that was, and it wasn't like that at all. That's, it was, we also lived in in England, and it was it was like that much more in in the UK. It, people were very reserved, but well, I definitely seen that. And my very own, um, I have a goddaughter called Marley, and I remember her one day when she was about five years old, and her mum insisting, "Well, go and give a hug to Uncle Coco." And I didn't really know what to do, and so I just kind of stood there with my arms open. She didn't really want to, and in that moment, that just felt wrong as an adult to welcome a hug as if it was expected that she would come and run in my arms. and Because usually that's what she does. She comes and runs in my arms and it's just beautiful. But she, that day she didn't feel like doing it. And um, yeah, and that, that was like, it felt really uncomfortable to do that. And I, you know, you, you just feel like something's off, but you may not have the awareness. So that, that I guess that was the first time I, I started to question, hmm, this doesn't feel right. Yeah, your uncle Coco. Okay, uncle now we know. Coco. I <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh, so another thing you don't know. My nickname is Coco. <laughs> okay. 
okay. You know, once upon a time, I used that nickname too, but it was CSCO. Really? Yeah. I was so. Coco until I was 18, even in my school reports. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And I'm glad that you had that awareness around like, wow, this, this seems off to force her to give me a hug if she doesn't want to do that. You know, I, I really... This is this is another thing, and I kind of want to go a different place with this, where you probably haven't gotten to yet in your parenting journey. But um, <laughs> you know, Tanya, um, when uh, the the issue of uh, consent and touching, you know, like what is good touch, what is bad touch, when do I choose whether or not I want to touch? You know, so I don't encourage my kids to hug their aunts and uncles, whether they're related or not. I'm just like, you know, if you, before we go to these gatherings, I'll be like, you know, if you don't want to shake hands, hug people, tell, just, you know, be very clear on your physical boundaries, you know? And so I'm wondering um, what, what has been your cultural norm around touch and consent with this in your children, Tanya? Thank you for asking. I come from a Hispanic background, so we are all about hugging. Um, it is all about embracing. So it was the most odd thing for us during the pandemic of not like embracing each other and not touching. For us, it was very, it was, it was transitional for my children as well, because my children are known in the school to hug everyone. Um, all the teachers have always come up to me saying, your children give the best hugs. Oh my gosh, they make my day. And, and so hearing both of you and honoring that perspective and, and truly understanding, coming from an understanding perspective of, I see when kids are uncomfortable with that. That is something that I witness and I understand. And as a parent, only because I know my kids enjoy that, I don't push that anymore either. Like I know that they know if they want to hug or not, like they they're aware of that um, because it's always been free to be like, if you want to hug them, then you can hug them. If you don't want to, then that's okay. You can give them a dap if that feels better. Um, you know, they'll, they'll do that. They'll like dap them up and be like, Hey, you know, and even with family, even with olders. And I think that that got into something that became more, of a new condition, of a new experience of that's how we do things now because of the pandemic. It, it influenced that switch or that transition that they no longer do actually hug someone unless, and it's, I still see them now. They're a little odd with it. They're like, eh, you know, sometimes with their friends, but then the, sometimes they'll be like, you know, and they'll come and be like, mom, I need a hug right now. Please just drop it all. And I'll be like, okay. Mom, I said I need one like right now. And I, you know, at first it's like, well, wait a minute. Is that being a little demanding? And then at secondly, I'm like, they may not ask for hugs forever. So let me just drop what I got in my hand right now yeah. and invite that hug and just love them up right here and now because they're asking for it. They need it. And I want to give it. So um, I think this has been a new transition for us because we are now – not doing that with everyone. Now it's very selective. Now this is, uh, it's been, it's become more selective for them, I should say. I ask now, 
where before I would just kind of go in for it. It's just the normality of just kind of going in for a hug or like a kiss on the cheek, like not even a kiss on the cheek. It w- it's a cheek to cheek mm-hmm. and, and you make the sound. Right. When you kiss the, yes. So the, again, that was something that wasn't allowed in the pandemic. So something that we pulled back from, but it's very normal in my family and um, in our general community. And I'm, I feel like I'm in a very multicultural community. There are Nicaraguan, Honduran, Ecuadorian, Puerto Rican, Cuban, African-American, Haitian, um, Italian, Venezuelan, like Indian, um, Egyptian. Like there's, we really have multicultural here. Um, And so with that, there are some people that do that and obviously some that that is not in our culture at all. And I think we just or I can't speak for everyone, but I'm honoring everyone because it's it, it's it's their choice of how they choose and how they, you know, if it's a wave, if it's not a wave, if it's um, a nod. Um, but welcoming whoever you are still, you know, still inviting. But if that hug or that kiss isn't invited because it's not their um, natural do. I try not to be awkward with that either. Like, it's just been yeah. a transition. It has been. I love, you know, you brought in a lot of things there. So like the, the uh, normalcy of touch, right? Kind of, we all had to pull back with the pandemic and it, it opened the door for uh, considering consent there. And, and also um, the age thing, right? Once the kids get to a certain age, it's kind of like, don't touch me, you know, cause I've experienced that with not both my sons, but one of them, like when he turned 12, he was like, mom, okay. You know? And the other one, like <laughs> up until 15, he's still like, mom, why don't you hug me anymore? I was like, well, you know, I didn't know, you know? So, um, <laughs> um, but it's uh, that that's really interesting. And the other thing that you brought in that wasn't it's not related to the topic, but I do want to give it some um, some airtime is you said multicultural. And then the first four countries you listed were all in. And I guess I think most thinking considered, you know, uh, Hispanic and this is a great awareness, you know, for people viewing and listening that, you know, even if, you know, like from country to country, it is different, you know, it's a very different culture. Some people are very touchy and some people are not. And so um, I appreciate you, you know, bringing that up. So another place I want to go here with the touch and consent is as parents, there's this whole thing around uh, toilet training. Right. And so uh, I don't know if this is going to affect you, Philip, but usually as mothers, we get judged how old are yeah. kids before they're out of their nappies, you know, their, their diapers. So it's like your kid's still in diapers and he's three, you know. Mm, um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I feel like people know their own bodies. I mean, I've, it's been my, um, let's see, I've noticed with each child, they're very aware of their body functions. 
like as early as two weeks old. You know, they kind of have this look in their eye. And so with some of my kids, you know, I just put them over the sink because at two weeks old, they're a little tiny for any kind of toilet, you know. Um, and I never forced it. And but where it gets tricky is if your kids have to go to like daycare or something like that. So I guess there again, I'm going to start with, hey, Lila, she comes every week. Thank you for being here. And Gayatri, I just saw you in Mumbai. Nice to see you. Um, so Philip, have you started toilet training? Let me, I'm just no, wondering. I, you know, actually, I, I, there's something I want to say about that because we haven't started toilet training, but the idea of training in the first oh, place yeah. is something that I've started. So I, so I had this app and every day I was like, oh, this is going to be good for his development. And so we get the app out and they're like these five exercises. And so we're like, oh, we're doing this to help his, oh, this is for his neurological development. Oh, this is for his, I don't know what development. And um, all of that, how messed up is that? And, and again, realizing, so there, there's, there's a work uh, that I discovered uh, by someone called uh, Magda Gerber. And her philosophy is really observe more, do less, enjoy more. And until discovering her work, we didn't really have a philosophy. It was just kind of like what, whatever makes sense. But really having um, kind of come, my, my wife discovered her work. And one of the philosophies is that allowing babies to develop at their own pace. Developing earlier is not better. That whatever, wherever the baby or the child is at in its development is where it needs to be. And that's a, that's a different way of approaching parenting. For me, it changed because I'm no longer, so I'm in the stage where Oliver's on his back, he's learning to roll over and come on his front. So I was like helping him to do that but as I'm helping him to do that, instead of celebrating what he can do, I'm pointing out what he cannot do. Mm. Why would I do that? It's just um, so that I can be a dad that says, hey, look, a kid Oliver, he's walking when he's only <laughs> nine months old, what have you, um, or a year. Um, this idea that earlier is better when that dropped away, all those exercises dropped away. Mm, yeah. You got to allow kids to be free to be. And, you know, since you mm -hmm. both have brought this up, like the name of the show a couple of times, that's actually, I, I, when I was growing up, there was a big purple book and I'm dating myself here called free to be you and me. And um, I love that. You know, I went to Montessori as a kid and like my whole life and education inside and outside the home was all about honoring my normal natural development and being free to be. Hmm. And so it only makes sense that at this point in my life, I would have a show called the free to be show and <laughs> I would raise my kids in this way. So, you know, developmentally, yeah, kids, uh, they, they do develop at, the pace that's appropriate for them 
and um, and as parents, loving them is allowing them to be free to do that. So thank you for bringing that in. And I'm, I'm just, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for Al Oliver. He's just going to be the greatest kid ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still making a lot of mistakes. And, you know, learning, learning by doing. I have a long way to go, but... Uh, it's um he's he's already amazing you know i i just you know I, I see him and i just see a human being that's whole and complete yeah that doesn't need any help and any just just guidance and love and respect 100 percent. so how long did it take you tanya to get to this point <laughs> <laughs> well i would go back on a couple of things if I may, one being um, my la my two youngest are boys. And, um, we kind of like to a farm area when they were younger. So I and they're boys, right? I did. They're a little different. Their parts are a little different. And so I just wanted them to have fun doing it. So I had like this little area of rocks outside and they knew that if they were outside, they would box. And, and that became where they were aware of it when it was, when they were feeling that feeling. And so then that helped me with the potty as well as like for of two, number two was, I did like a little boot that I saw with them and it was, and loved bubbles. Tummy started to hurt, take them to the toilet and we just blow bubbles because we were just sitting there talking, doing something that they enjoyed and, and just having a, they feeling, and that, that was their reward kind of was just spending time together. Um, it wasn't, I don't know if it was really an expectation, but it, I mean, obviously, right. I wanted the child to go to the bathroom, but it's also time for us to be together and to make it fun, that the exciting, it didn't have to be um, bad. It didn't have to be a hard, that it could still be fun. And so that was kind of the way that I approached it with, uh, um, and love what you said too, is training and the development to did go to Montessori. And my old boys, because he had he was in Montessori years we realized that in the very well when he was in the first at a third grade level and my thought process was every child I know that has been in Montessori their transition into regular normal school has been very difficult so how was I going to beat that as a parent was my thought, right? How was I going to beat that? And I thought, well, if I give him a little bit of Montessori and then I switch him over you know, good time to be able to shin. Well, this experience, my experience is that so easy. I spent time filling out page paper to let the about my child. At one point, when it was hard online and a hundred percent every single class. Tanya, I'm, I'm my not, child you're, you're, your you're, audio you're, isn't very clear. 
Yeah, it's pretty choppy. So we're getting bits of it, good bits of it, and then we're just not getting the great bits of it. Right. <laughs> okay, so actually you're on mute. No, you're on mute now. So let me see if I can unmute you. Okay. How about now? Okay. Oh, yeah, that's just, that's good. Is that better? Yes. Okay. I'm not sure off or where you last heard me. Um, do you know? I, I last heard you when you said, how can I beat that? Beat that was my thought. Like, how could I yeah. help him with this transition of going from a free-to-be kind of atmosphere going into a more structured environment and being able to sustain that transition without it really having a, a negative impact on him. And my experience was hopefully that helps somebody else because some things I pulled back from and just the computer and saw and he's doing great. I'm asking doing great. Didn't hear anything for the award ceremony, didn't get an award because of his conduct. His He couldn't seat. He's so used to transition, going and moving, done with once with being in Montessori, that he would just move on to the next thing. So first grade, he was working at a third grade level. Well, I transitioned him in second grade. So second, I'm working at second grade level. And even though I spoke about it after their comment, he doesn't know how to sit in a seat. And I said, well, if that was a problem, then why didn't you talk to me? I am a team player. I am a parent that wants to be active. I didn't see or have any knowledge that there was a problem until now. And now I walk into this area where every child got an award but mine, and he has 100% in every class. How does that make any sense? He was bawling his eyes out. He was like this, this, and crying and crying. The only one out of like 200 students. And I thought to myself, there's something more to that. Because how do you give a child that makes 100% in every class but doesn't behave in a way that you believe should be behaved. And if that is sitting in your seat and never notify anybody else of how to support this child upon this thing. And yet he's punished like this. He doesn't get an award. I feel that was a very, very big impact in his effort shift for himself. And now as a parent, I am coming back to him as it is important to show up. It is important to do your work and turn your work in because the transition of that is, why do I turn my work in if I'm still going to get not get an award? Why am I trying so hard if I'm not even being acknowledged for my efforts? And as a parent, teaching him that showing up how you want to show up for the things that you want to create in your life, whether they are acknowledged or not, is how you choose to show up. 
and how it, and, and whether someone's going to give you an award or not. Yeah. But that's hard. It's a little one, right? Because now even at like little baseball fields, they're giving everyone an award, whether they deserve it or not. To well, make the, it you know, there's a couple of issues there. You know, like first of all, like there's the issue of uh, giving awards to everyone, right? Um, there's the issue of judgment <laughs> by uh, according to the way you behave. You know, there mm. is. Um, the, the issue of not communicating with the, the parents and, and, you know, offering the opportunity to, to be a team, you know, working as a team for your child. So um, there, there's a lot of things to unpack there. Um, you know, we didn't take a commercial break, so I'm going to do that and we can come back and, and dive into thoughts about how judgment shows up in the way that kids are educated at school and mm -hmm. um and what's the deal with all these awards anyway you know so we'll be right back after this create your ultimate joy personalized experience where do you see yourself this year is it in hawaii or the caribbean or perhaps it's Mexico. There are locations all over the world where you can connect with the elements. Wherever you choose, you can be with me, the ultimate joy goddess, to create and be a stand for your joy. Where, would, where do you see yourself? Where would you like to be? Don't dream about it. Make it happen. Connect with me at CordeliaGafar.com. So what's up with all the awards? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> um, why are we giving everyone an award? Um, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, you, um, first of all, I, I noticed that uh, there was teamwork between my teachers and my parents um, to help me to get to a certain standard. And, um, and then at home, my parents were um, not so much pressing about the outcome of an award, but whether or not I understood the content of the information, you know? So uh, they always focused on, do you understand what you're learning? You know, not so much about uh, whether or not I got high marks. I mean, and I was always on honor roll and they of course celebrated that, but that wasn't the focus. So um, what was your experience, Philip, growing up? Well, I mean, I came from an education system that rewards compliance. Oh. Um, really, not so much independent thinking, memorizing. I remember being at school, finding it really difficult because I was often disinterested. Um, I wasn't the one picking up the awards. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was the one trying not to get kicked out of class. <laughs> okay. I, um, I was never academically strong at school. And so school was hard for me. And I was, um, I always found it rewarded those that were very compliant, followed the book, followed the rules. And I would learn to memorize four exams. And um, quite sadly, it was just something I had to get through, but I didn't seem to have a choice in that. And I did the best I could. Fortunately, I had some good friends and that made it easier. And that actually made it enjoyable. But the learning, um, 90%, boy, was that hard. That was my experience. Mm. So where has, I mean, like, um, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry that was your experience, but I think probably most people can resonate with that. You know, um, I, I know that was my, my ex-husband's experience as well, you know, growing up in a British school system um, post- Yeah, well, hence the accent. I actually went to an American school for a year. Yeah. When I was 13, moved from Singapore to Paris, went a year in the American school finally integrated the American school. And after a year, my parents decided, yeah, no, we don't like the American system. I'm going to put them in the British system. Mm. So that was like, okay. So I was like the perfect American accent and then changed, became, <laughs> no, that's why I sound like this. <laughs> I, I was, you know, now I get all these answers. I wanted to ask you that, but just the opportunity never presented itself. So now I know. Yeah, I went to the British School of Paris. That was my... Uh, my upper from from the age of 13 till graduating. Ah, okay, explains much. Mm -hmm. So I did GCSEs and A-levels and went through the traditional British curriculum. Mm. Okay, so, um, so you were not rewarded <laughs> at all. You were... No, I was not rewarded, but I was, I, I was very, very good. School taught me how to hide who I am. Mm. Taught me how to be someone to be liked and loved by my teachers and do the minimum to get away. Mm. So all my intelligence went, how can I do the least amount of work <laughs> to get through what I need to get through? That, sadly, that was my, my whole system. And, and I was very good at um, lying, manipulating and hiding. I had three homework diaries, one for my teacher, one for my mom, one for my tutor. Wow. My whole life was about being a master of deceit and lies. That's how I went through school. Mm. Cheating was something I became an expert at. And because I had this innocent little boy face, I got away with it all. No one could imagine that this cute, innocent-looking little boy could be up to so much and was enough. Wow. Yeah. Philip, if I may, I would love, I'm grateful for you to share that with me. Really am. I have two young boys and um, completely opposite of the spectrum, both of them, of mm -hmm. me. One is very athletic and very social. And the other one 
can read an encyclopedia like that and tell you everything that he wrote in it, tell you scientific facts, give you the lowdown quick too. And um, they're just different, right? Right. With each experience and even who I'm being as a parent and how I'm being and how I'm reacting to these different situations when our children are growing and they're having different experiences. And so just recently with my oldest boy, the one who is again, off the charts genius has just not been wanting to turn in his work. And so to leave no excuse other than to really create space to sit with him and talk up with him. Mm-hmm. What's going on, buddy? You know, in a safe space. So he feels safe because yeah. he, you know, at first he was very timid because he doesn't want to get in trouble to talk and yeah. to really create that safe space that it's okay, no matter what it is, yeah. we'll get through well, that's, that. That's, that's so beautiful. There's something you said that I, I want to really um, sort of draw out. Two things you've said. In this conversation, you said, I wanted to beat it. And you said, be with that. And what a beautiful distinction, you know, like as parents, how we want to beat that versus be with that. And the both examples you've shown have just been perfect to illustrate that. One of them is about connection and the other one is about striving and trying to help the other one you're really just supporting, guiding, being with. Thank you. It's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every day, right? Every day we're approached with new, ex- new experiences that give us the opportunity to be. And yeah. in that moment of how are we choosing to be? And I'm often not choosing the exact way that I actually want to be because I'm reacting or maybe I'm in a rush. And so that gives me as a parent, how do I really want to be and what do I need to do to create that for me so I can be that even with my children. And if I'm rushed and I'm not, and I'm overloaded and I'm not allowing myself to be able to show up to where when they're talking, I'm listening to understand, but I'm just like, yeah, okay. Uh Mm Uh-huh. And then they're like, mom, but I told you, when did you tell me that? I don't remember you telling me that. Like I told you. So we get these opportunities every day. And I used to really beat myself up about this. Now I'm getting better at better at just saying, okay, you did the best you could. Now be here and love yourself here and you know ultimately you know from the beginning from the beginning i'd say about two or three years into my parenting journey i'm like there's no way i can do this or be present with my kids without being present with myself so when i whenever i catch myself being in that reactive mode i'm just like whoa there's there's this thing i tell my kids i'm like okay I know what you're saying right now is very important to you and I'm not available to be fully present with you. Can you give me five minutes? You know, 
that way I can go and do my hard reset and be very conscious and intentional. And they know that I care about them and they know that when I come back, I can listen with all of my being. And it's very important to communicate, you know, that, you know, not only that you love them, but that you love them so much that the presence, you, you want to mm. give them that presence, you know? And so I, I used to just do it once my kids were a certain age when they could actually understand what I'm saying. And, you know, we come here with intelligence. Babies are so wise, right? They're coming straight from the spirit realm. And so they know more than we do in the first place. We mm -hmm. are, you know, integrating them into the human body way of being. Mm -hmm. So to, you know, early on, like you, Philip, have mm -hmm. an opportunity now, and you, it looks like you're already using these, but, you know, for your consideration, look them in the eye sometimes. You know, because I'm pretty sure you might get tired and, you know, you can just say, Oliver, you know, I know that you're trying to communicate something to me and um, I, I want to be fully present with you. You yeah. know, is it okay if I, you know, give you to your mom or, you know, something like yeah, you to your yeah, grandmother yeah, or something beautiful. like that, you know, yeah. just start that conversation now. You know, you'll yeah. see the, yeah. Thank you for that reminder. You know, it's it is it is something that I that I've taken on, but just hearing it from you makes me see where I'm not. So, you know, also just just letting him rather than just picking him up, kind of speaking to him. Hey, is it okay if I just pick you up? Would you like to come into my arms? Would you? And just be much more in in dialogue with him. I know one of the things that I found really difficult. Yeah, I thought I was gonna. This is gonna be easy. I'm gonna be the most present dad. I'm just gonna have these moments of connection with my baby. And it was like, after 15 minutes, I'm like, oh my god, like, how am I supposed? How am I gonna last? And and I don't know how my wife does it. She's just all day with him. And um, I, I realized that one of the things I was doing was entertaining. Hmm. So you know, there's there, there's a difference between connecting playing and singing when and just kind of like entertaining so he doesn't cry hmm. or trying to try and trying to what's kind of wrong like, with him to crying yeah right that's <laughs> yeah well that 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 was a lot of um a, that 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 was a lot of things we had to move through as parents around how you know what's our philosophy around crying and so we've had to you know we've had to make a lot of adjustments there because but ultimately what shifted is from from just being an observer and sometimes participating, but sometimes just being there and just observing him and seeing that when left alone in the right environment, when they feel safe and, they, and, and I'm there with them, they can just play. And I don't need to be the entertainer. And that's actually the best kind of play. Mm. They go and even sometimes they just kind of like staring into nothing or at the ceiling. You just you know, don't know what they're imagining or what they're creating, but they're just like so present. It's beautiful to just watch them and just observe them and try to not interrupt, not interfere, you know, not be disruptive, not even say things like, hey, good job. It's like, good job for holding a, a cardboard box. 
good job. No, like just saying, like like this overpraising that was also something we've had to kind of cut back on. And just notice, oh, you know, you're you're you've you're grabbing the the ball and the ball's going away and 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 yeah, just being in communication without teaching, without being like this is a ball, <laughs> be for ball. <laughs> and just be like, oh look, there's a ball when it's flying around. And then you know, we had these cards, it's like, look, this is a dog. <laughs> dog. And I'm like, what am I? Some kind of weirdo? Like just 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 have fun, be normal, you know? And then like I have all this like funny baby language that I was using. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's okay. Sometimes I still do that, but it, it could be endearing. But I can also just talk to him like a normal human being. Yeah, I, I think that's great. It's um, in baby language, you know, babies speak whatever language you speak. So if you speak right. English or Spanish or French, you know, like that's what they speak. And that that's the one great thing I did learn from my mom because I watched her with my nieces and nephews. I became an aunt when I was seven. There's a lot of age difference in my family. So um, she would just always talk to babies just like I'm talking to you right now, because she recognized and acknowledged their intelligence. And um, I think that's the best way of mm -hmm. being as a parent. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I learned from my mom, she's 25 years of experience working with babies as a child osteopath. And I went in there once with a camera because I really wanted to, to, to capture what she does with newborns. And she would speak to the newborn and just say, show me where it hurts. Two three year two three day old baby would start pointing to the places where they're in pain. She would just say, "Show me where it hurts." And I I I have a lot of those on video because I wanted just to capture that for people to realize how intelligent babies are. Amazing. So we've talked about a lot of ways mm. of being as parents. Um, in our loving. And um, so we're all the way at the end of the hour already. Can you believe that? It was like, woof, so quick. <laughs> um, you know, at this point, I, I would like to see um, what is what is the golden takeaway you would like um, people to have gotten from our conversation today, Tanya? You know, even just with so much what Philip just said, for me, the takeaway here is really be how you want to be with your kids. Like, don't be any other way than actually being with them. Like, when we try to be anything, like, too much, it's exactly that. Like, our kids just want us to be with them. They want us to spend time listening to them. And when we really listen, rather to understand, rather than to change or fix, oftentimes we can hear and hear from such a different level. And then we become to parent at a different level because we're actually hearing them differently rather than trying to fix them or mold them into the way that we think that they should be. So 
There's so much here. Um, even with what you just said, Philip, is went from entertaining to 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 being with. Like I'm always about educating and my experience of my, in my relationship, how my husband comes home, you know, like he'll be home like once a month. And so what does he want to do? He wants to entertain, right? So that's the experience they get, this exciting entertainment. And so much was just un, unraveled here that brought, created awareness to me as well. Mm. Um, so I appreciate you sharing how you shared today. It was um, it's a blessing for me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Epic. Beautiful, Shane. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. For me, loving is curiosity. Mm. And what I'm taking away from this conversation is to bring a lot more curiosity in my listening for all of it. So even when he's kind of making sounds and dabbling, really listen with more curiosity you know to understand what is he saying what does he want and yeah for me i think curiosity is is the ultimate act of love as a parent to our child to our children hmm. thank you both i i love those takeaways and um so i'm hearing that when we allow ourselves to be with our children without any pretense, we can be curious and truly love them from the depths of our being. Yeah, and that, that will allow us to be free to be mm -hmm. the parent they require. Yeah, thank you. I've been a parent for 23 years and I just learned like a whole bunch of new stuff just now. So um, for those of you who are viewing and listening, thank you for being here live and share this with another heart, share this with another soul. And until next week, be free. So are you free? Do you own your part in that? Rather than lingering in shame, guilt, and despair. Let's see where you can create more freedom, more joy, and replenish from within. Visit me at CordeliaGafar.com and sign up for the five ways to only create joy. Until next week, be free.